everybody. I'm Melissa Lowe and my I'm co-pilot Kyle Jennings is here. Co-pilot. I like that. That's co-pilot. <laughs> we uh, are excited. It is May and it is beautiful here in um, the Washington DC region. We've passed the peak of cherry blossoms. We're now into the dogwoods, the official state flower of Virginia. The cicadas are coming. The cicadas are coming <laughs> and it is beautiful. So we are excited to talk innovation in this episode. Yes. Uh, we have two phenomenal interviews to present to you uh, to talk about innovation and hopefully give you some great takeaways for your club and your operations. So we are going to get started first with a trends, kind of continuing the trends that we've talked about uh, from our special conference editions with our friends at Integra. If you're not familiar with Integra, they are a CMA business partner. Um, and we were excited to sit down with John Sukor, the Director of Culinary uh, for North America, and David Hamilton, their Vice President for Business Solutions, to talk about uh, trends in food service and these top emerging trends. It was a it's a great conversation. Um, I will give you a little bit of a trigger warning. It may make you hungry. Oh, dude. Grab a snack. During this conversation, all Melissa and I could think of was like Korean tacos. <laughs> tacos. Tacos. So uh, we're excited to have this. This is a continuation of the trends session from um, the 2021 World Conference that we held back in March. So if you missed that session, uh, tune in now and, and get a little bit more information. And we'll let uh, David and John take it away. So we're going to continue our discussion of trends with this interview on the Let's Talk Club Management podcast uh, based on a well-attended education session from our virtual conference back in, in March. And we're going to talk trends today as we tackle food service trends, innovation in the le leisure industry. So we're going to talk food service, supply chain, procurement management trends, innovation solutions, and predictions that our listeners can utilize to enhance the member experience. So let's talk about these top emerging trends with John and David today. So let's start first with talking about food service. What should our listeners be aware of? I'll say something regarding food. This is John. And, uh, you know, something really strikes me today, working with operators, seeing the kind of flavors that are hitting uh, new menus, and uh, something strikes me as a unique opportunity of, I don't want to use the word fusion, I think that dates us back to the 80s a bit, but meaningful latitudinal cuisine, and what I mean by that is just the connection of different countries from around the world that seem to fit in the same band of latitude, and that gives them similarities in indigenous ingredients, similarities in cooking style, um, a great one, I'm in Richmond, Virginia, and a great one that is thriving and has done really well uh, is mashed up of uh, a mashup of um, Baja, Mexico, and Campania region of Italy. And, and it just that hearth cooking, the types of flavors and the types of ingredients and great fresh seafood really put those two things together. So one thing I would say is harmonious blending of flavors from different countries around the world. And, uh, you know, uh, we see that in California with the uh, Korean tacos that had been so popular in the early 2000s, right? And that, I just let it slip, but I think we need to keep an eye out for Korean. It's such a craveable flavor. Uh, I believe that um, it, it just meets our needs for big flavor and crunch and excitement on the plate. 
So those are just some things from a, a food flavor uh, specific notion that I wanted to add to that. David, any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it doesn't take long to pick up on the fact that John is obviously the foodie of this uh, duo here. So he's the director <laughs> of culinary for us. So I'm going to look at this much more from an operational standpoint, kind of a, a you know, just a, a pure operator. But I think if you, you think about the trends, if you if you looked at the results on our survey in our, our session back in March, you know, 32% of the participants said that cleaning and sanitation was that trend that they were most focused on. And it was closely followed by the climatarian and sustainability piece. So, you know, I think top of mind awareness for everybody is, you know, cleaning and sanitation and how do you make your members and your guests feel more comfortable than they, they felt you know, we were talking earlier in regard to, um, I see, and I think everybody sees as the pandemic is lessening a little bit and things are freeing up and places are opening back up. You know, people are just uh, going into Home Depot this weekend. You see people with a lot less people with masks, a lot mm -hmm. less people are letting their guard down pretty quickly. And, mm -hmm. and I would say one thing for operators to think about is, you know, make sure that you're resonating with your member experience. You know, because not everybody feels that way. You know, 25% of the population are not getting vaccinated. So you got to think about the fact that how does your operation appeal to that? And how do you how do you make those people feel comfortable that, you know, may not be comfortable getting vaccination, right or wrong? So I think just uh, really um, expanding on that cleaning and sanitation piece, making sure that your best practices that you've um, indoctrinated and you brought into your operation uh, that you continue you continue that that you make sure that again there's a comfort level with your member base and your clientele yeah David I think there's a real positive in that too you know as a restaurateur as somebody who's been doing this for 35 years there's a lot of the cleanliness that I've actually appreciated so I, I think you know as an industry pre-COVID I think that we were slipping a bit you know, I'd see a lot of practices that I wasn't really fond of in restaurants. And there's a positive from this, right? We can really learn a lot from what we've been through and understand we're in a very serious business in the restaurant industry that we can get people sick if we're not keeping our spaces clean, if we're not contributing to good sanitation. Uh, food is holy, food is sacred. And, and that is something that we as an industry have to remember and hang on to as we improve and get back to things that part should never go away it shouldn't have ever but it should never go away and i think that's a real positive i think we can all learn from that no absolutely i think you see a lot of uh, personnel you know downtime used to be you might see you know the back of the house workers talking or congregating now you see them cleaning you know you see them in their spare time they're taking advantage of those that downtime and uh, another thing that, that we've talked about a little bit is you know if you think about from an operator standpoint probably something that would have never been done you know pre-pandemic is you know are people thinking about you know maybe bringing some of their guests or their members into the back of the house let me show you what we're doing let me give you a little mini tour of the cleaning practices that we have in place i mean imagine what that does for you know it's the overall perception word of mouth, sharing ideas. Wow, you know, I had a chance to go back, you know, behind the curtain, so to speak, in our operation recently, and I was amazed at how sanitary, clean, and, you know, and, and well-kept things are. So again, taking advantage of the opportunity and the things that we've learned to build on. 
yeah, best practices. That's a that's a great old phrase you reminded me of in what you just said, David. If you got time to lean, you got time to clean. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I should probably remember that myself. I was gonna say, yeah. Maybe yeah, I need to put that in our around. kitchen. My husband will get a clue. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right. So <clears throat> So yeah, I, I think that's a great silver lining to talk about. And I think it's, you know, it's, it's obvious, I think from the consumer perspective and their member perspective is they're looking for those cleaning standards. And I think they're probably looking more closely than they have ever before at that aspect of your operation. So definitely something to keep in mind. Mm -hmm. So one of the other issues that we, we've seen a lot over the last year is this whole concept of supply chain and procurement management trends. And obviously we've had supply chain interruptions, um, you know, on the consumer side and we, um, or starting to hear forecasting of this summer of other supply chain disruptions, um, you know, that are across across industries, not just specific to the restaurant or club industry. So, what do you know about those trends, and what should be we should be watching? Well, I'll jump in on this one. Um, I, I think if, if you look at the again, I'll, I'll kind of refer back to because I think it's important that we refer back refer back to the participants in the session in March and how they responded. And again, 52% of them said that cost savings was their biggest concern, their biggest interest. And if you think about the criticality of, you know, cost, it, it's, it's all intertwined, you know, cost with our distribution base is about logistics. It's about optimizing their trucks. It's about forecasting properly, you know, that, that day and time where you could, you know, you could have a 500 person event come up on Wednesday that you need for Saturday is is no longer. I mean, it's you you have to pre-plan. Yeah. You have to basically understand what your needs are going to be, help forecast them so that they can find a supplier base that can provide those needs. And you know, we're seeing on our end on the distribution front that more and more of our clients are using multiple points of distribution, meaning that they'll use three or two or three broadliners to take care of their needs because some have certain items that others don't. Some have items that they're having a struggle getting to depending upon their supply base. So I think the ability to have that flexibility and have the autonomy to be able to respond um, mm -hmm. is just more and more critical than it's ever been just because of all of the global issues and the things that we're running into across, you know, the pandemic really kind of brought the awareness. Think about, you know, Two, you know, even a year ago, year and a half ago, we would have never had a conversation about, wow, I mean, disposables are difficult to get or latex gloves are difficult to get. So all of those things that we kind of took for granted, I hate to say, are have, have really raised the awareness and, and being a little smarter and being a more efficient operator. Yeah. I'll chime in with that too, David. I think you said something that really stuck with me, which is autonomy. And uh, a glimpse into my history, I, I was an active duty Marine right out of high school. And uh, if nothing else, we learned how to adapt and overcome. And uh, something that jumps to my mind with regard to restaurateurs that I've coached and have helped build concepts with is innovation. Everyone listening, please write that word down, innovation. And what I mean by that is we have an advantage now that everything is touchless, right? So that QR code that we link to when we go to a restaurant now is going to an electronic menu that is not, you're, you're not committed to a printing. So you can change it at the drop of a hat. 
So when I say innovation, I would encourage everyone to broaden uh, your bench. You know, when you're building a team, you want a wide bench. And what I mean by that is build a pipeline. We call it a pipeline when you might have 10 things on the menu or 20 things, whatever your menu count looks like, have five to 10 more in the hopper, okay? Because you might have a, a, a horrible week in the industry of uh, something hit, something crashed, some distribution issue happens, chicken takes a skyrocket, this is hypothetical, and you might need to shift. Uh, it'd be a great time to try out that, that one turkey dish that you might have created or a meatless dish that you might have worked on. But building that pipeline and being ready for those changes that will come is an absolute way to respond uh, elegantly and invisibly. I always say, the, the, don't ever let the bride see that we crashed a, a, a rack of dishes. She doesn't need to see or hear that. You know, we can hide that, but but do it in a way that the customer always is going to feel confident that they're not going to see you crossing things off the menu. Just be ready to make a change and be agile. And and I always say, uh, as you said again, David, I'm going to emphasize autonomy is being in in control of your destiny. You know, don't don't let the supply world mess with you. Be ready for a change. Call it a change versus a disaster. Right. So if things are happening um, that are out of the control of a great distribution channel that you might have, be ready for it and be ready to adapt. Absolutely. That's stellar advice, I was gonna say. Stellar, I, I think, across for across our industry and, and for whatever might, might be coming our way. Mm. I know that one of the challenges that our industry continues to face and certainly I think has been magnified over the, the last six months is finding talent. Um, and finding those folks uh, to fill those necessary roles at your club and across the hospitality industry. So what do you, what do you think is critical for clubs to know about finding talent? Uh, so I'm, I'm in an active pursuit uh, of talent myself, building out our test kitchen, the, the new Integra Performance Kitchen, as we call it, the EPK. And something that I've found is be ready for the challenge, don't be surprised by it. And what that means, again, is proactivity. I think it goes back to a little of what I just said, building the bench. Uh, I think it's important to always be on the lookout and never feel comfortable to stop your recruitment practices. That's number one. Always be recruiting so that uh, you're ready for the one person who moves or shifts or, or doesn't work with you any longer. Uh, the other is um, emphasize your culture, okay? Um, so every, every business, every restaurant, every club has a personality. And I think it's time to just take a, a self audit and understand what makes your club cool, what makes it unique. And really, really create that language around that because me as a new staff member, for example, if I'm gonna come and work in your club, I wanna know what's great about it. I wanna know that, hey, I can go work out in the facilities on my time after I punch out, or I'm gonna to wanna to know that you've got fresh clean uniforms for me, or I'm gonna to wanna to know that I get a delicious meal once a day. But I think it's also the, the best practices and, and what makes the culture of the club really cool. I think that's important to emphasize on that. And uh, 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 like I said, a language on that and, and be ready to speak to that with your potential new hires. Uh, and take a very serious look at the potential of, if I'm probably gonna have less staff because it is troublesome finding 
uh, multiplicity and, and, and having a bunch of folks uh, sort of waiting for the, the customers to come, uh, maybe for lack of a better term, you want to invest heavier in the ones that you do have. So clearly we're seeing an increase in minimum wage. Take that very seriously. There's an expectation there. Don't be blind to it and don't be surprised when someone says, well, wait a minute, minimum's gone up. Uh, what am I gonna get per hour? So I think it's being prepared for the conversation so that it doesn't get uncomfortable. You know, Put that past your general manager, junior managers, have those discussions and, and dare I say role play so that you're ready for that conversation so it doesn't get odd, but be ready to invest in the people and make it worth their while to come and, and join you in your spectacular club, wherever that might be. Yeah, and I, I would probably expand on that just, just from a standpoint of, uh, I love what you said, John, about the culture. And I think it's so important. And, I, and I'll give you kind of a quick real world example of the club that I'm a member of is that one of our servers recently was kind of moving on to a new role, you know, basically as a, as a clinical technician. So he had kind of a, this was a sidebar job for him, but he's been there about two years and he was so ingrained in the club that when he announced the fact that he was moving on, the member base, a lot of us that, that are, you know, regular players at the club took up a collection for him to basically mm -hmm. kind of send him on his way. And, and he was one of those guys that he knew every member's name. When you walked in the door, Mr. Hamilton, how are you? I mean, I, such a just such a great attribute. And I think building that culture and having someone that's participatory with your member base. And I would also say, you know, make sure you understand the aspirations of the individuals that are working for you. You know, when they come in as a, as a ground service employee or picking the driving range or whatever that function is, doesn't mean they don't want to move to that next opportunity. So how do you take advantage of that? How do you leverage that to have people grow within your facility and within your member base? I think it's huge. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a struggle for everyone right now. I mean, you can't drive down the road and see every fast food place and every, you know, business that you walk into, you know, need employees. But I, I always still feel that people are going to seek out the places that they want to work, the places that they want to be a part of. And I think that's a huge advantage that the club industry has um, because it is attractive. It is a great environment. It is, it's a great place to work and be a part of. It's a, an outstanding industry. So I think we've got some leverage that other businesses don't have, but we still need to take advantage of those and make sure that our, you know, that our employees are part of the culture and that they're happy and that they understand and they have opportunities to grow and so on and so forth. I think that's great perspective. Hmm. So what other predictions do you see um, coming up that you suggest that our listeners use to really focus on enhancing that member experience hmm. now that our members are now that clubhouses are reopening and we're, we're going to see our members back 100 percent not just you know really utilizing that outside space how do we knock their socks off you know one thing that jumps to mind and, and i guess we're going to stick to a theme here to a degree uh, i'm kind of going back to what we began with being um you know, what things might and will look like post-COVID, uh, not forgetting the things that we've done, but, but turning that into really positive change. And I think we have a remarkable intersection with embracing to go. Uh, it's clearly become our lifestyle now in so many instances, right? But 
my my encouragement to those operators is to capitalize on it. Don't forget about it. You know, if you're if you're creating a dish um, and you haven't tested it, uh, so so I'm I'm going back to innovation. If the operator's creating a dish or a service model or creating a, a you know a special or whatever it might be, and you're not testing how it's going to sustain whatever to go looks like. If you know people are driving 20, 15, 20 minutes home and you're not tasting that food in packaging 15 or 20 minutes from now, you're missing the point. You're absolutely missing the point. So use our new lenses, our new set of glasses, if you will, that we're looking through post COVID to your advantage. Take a look at what we've done, what the great things are that we've learned, how we've overcome and adapted to this new societal shift but find the positive in that and make those changes adaptable to your today's menu and hang on to that grab and go or that to go business model. I'm not saying we're not going to get back to in-house dining. I'm just saying this is a great intersection to also recognize a younger generation that in a past statistical uh, quantitative review that I did, I learned how this newer generation, not old guys like like David and I, <laughs> But this newer generation is more apt to want to go dine at home and, and, and not be the restaurateur, not be the, sorry, not the restaurateur, but the, the dining, in-house dining person. They might want to grab it and go eat at home with some technology in front of them. That's their comfort zone. There's no knock against it. I think it's great. But embracing that means to go should be a new business model for us. Uh, uh, you know, I, I've watched over, over this uh, last year remarkable things. There's some remarkable chains. Uh, I'll give you, a, for example, my son and I are gluten intolerant, so we just need that that GF bun. And there's a great chain out there. I'm not going to name it because I don't know how these things go. I don't want to plug anybody, but they're just doing a great job, a chicken concept. How about if I just say that? And they actually had our sandwich, they actually had our sandwich deconstructed so that we put it together at home. What, I could not think of a better way to absolutely guarantee a nice eating experience because now nothing was sogging, nothing was getting uh, you know juices into the bun. Everything was very fresh and crisp when we got it home. Put it together and ate our chicken sandwich, and it was well thought through. And that's exactly what I'm talking about: is embracing the change, the things we've gone through, and making it a really positive change, and embracing that our new generation is about grab and go without a doubt, or to go, or carry out, however you want to say that. Absolutely. And I, I think to expand on that, one of the things, um, again, we had some conversation around that I think really makes a lot of sense is, you know, to John's point, thinking through those items that really do well when you are taking them to go. Because a lot of times, we all know that there are meals that you can get in-house that are just not as good as what you're going to get by the time you get 20 minutes to your home. So, you know, we talked about the possibility of, you know, now that you can make changes on the fly to menus because they're on a QR code, you know, why not make a, um, a little bit of an indication on the to-go preferred item? Have four or five items that have a little card next to it that just say, hey, these items really do well when you take them to go and you use proper packaging. Mm -hmm. You know, just to raise that awareness because, again, someone – you get a meal, you get it home, and it's not satisfactory. What's your chances of going back to that facility and obviously not ordering the same thing? But in some cases, it may just taint you from ordering to go altogether. Yeah. But I think, you know, tapping into those 
learnings that everybody's kind of, um, it's, it's become critical. It wasn't high focal point pre-pandemic. Now that we're getting post-pandemic, how do we take advantage of those and really leverage that? Because I think there's just a great upside for clubs that, um, you know, can leverage that. You know, it's, it's all about the convenience. It's all about having the ability to have someone come off the golf course or as an example, or come away from the pool or whatever it is and being able to say, hey, I'd love to take dinner home to my family, but the last time I did it, it was so-so, you know? So, you know, how do you maximize that experience at the club and make sure that they know, you know, hey, these are some really cool things that, that my facility has done to ensure that I'm gonna get a quality meal at home, you know, that I'm paying for. Absolutely, absolutely, and I, I think you know Kyle and I, <laughs> Kyle and I certainly embrace the uh, in in the joy of enjoying meals from our couches in front of our technology. Oh, absolutely! I mean, I'm I'm the know. younger generation data point of one here who was like, oh, I can bring this delicious food back to my house and sit it on my couch in my stretchy right. pants <laughs> and eat it. <laughs> absolutely, I will do that. Oh, there's there's so much truth to that. Absolutely, I think it's a uh, it's a, it's a great learning that we, we're all kind of, we, we've all kind of developed. And I think that, you know, going back to the trends and, and what are things that, you know, the club management professionals can, can use is just, you know, really leveraging what's worked, you know, what has worked and, and how do you maximize that going forward? And how do you make that be part of, you know, it's kind of like, you know, going back to the cleaning and sanitation piece, you know, these are great best practices that we that all facilities have instilled, don't go back. Don't don't go back and, and reverse and all of a sudden find that things are back to normal. So therefore some of those best practices are no longer going to be supported by your staff members because well we're not really in the pan that was pandemic driven. You know, we're we're outside of that. So therefore we can do things differently. So I really think taking advantage of that and being able to leverage that for your member base is extremely important. Absolutely. Well, I think a lot of this is like a, it's a perspective shift, right? Because I think we spent so much time during the pandemic, you know, looking at all of the ways that we've had to change our operations as, as challenges or difficulties or, you know, just roadblocks. And really it's about looking at them as opportunities. How can we take what we've learned here and grow versus, you know, let's just get let's just get past this and, and we can go back to normal. It's like, well, normal's <clears throat> going to look different. And, and what did we learn and how can we make it even better? So this has been fantastic. I, I just, I love listening to this and now I want to go out to eat again. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, now I'm thinking about Korean tacos. Thanks, John. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> I've given that to everyone's mind. Now. <laughs> Thanks. Exactly. Well, we can't thank you enough for joining us today, John and David. I hope we'll have an opportunity to have you back uh, as, uh, as we see trends emerge and evolve over the next year. Well, it's thank you. you. You guys have done a, uh, I will tell you this, but, you know, the webinars we've attended, uh, you know, I think the, uh, the virtual conference, um, you know, hats off to you guys. have done a great job, I think, uh, managing this and, and getting this messaging to your members. And we're thankful to be a part of it. So thanks so much for including us. Absolutely. It's been a real pleasure. Yeah, I couldn't agree with David more. Uh, it, it's nice to uh, have an organization like yours that's taken the initiative to still give us that sense of camaraderie and community 
however, electronically, we might be still getting together to still talk business. But uh, I think it's really important for everyone to still have a voice, to still have the notion that we're all in this together. Yeah. Absolutely. Love that. Absolutely. So get back to your stretchy pants. Uh, yeah. Kyle, and, <laughs> Enjoy, enjoy. That's I right. mean, I'm heading up the petition for never bringing back like hard clothes ever again. If it has a button or a zipper, I'm not interested. Uh, <laughs> yes, next month we'll tackle new new dress clubs. Yes, for, uh, dress codes for clubs. <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, thank you for tuning into that conversation with our friends from Integra. Melissa and I have a few announcements that we want to cover in this episode. Just a reminder, we are in the middle of our spring cleaning campaign. So it's time to review and update your CMAA member profile and your email preferences. Over the last few years, you may have gotten a new title, changed jobs, have a new address, a new email. And keeping this information current helps make sure that we can communicate with you more effectively. Um, so we encourage you to head in over to CMAA.org and access your member profile and just make sure that all of that information is up to date and correct. While you're doing that, this gives you a chance as well to consider reviewing and adding some more self-identification information. As you may know, CMAA is working on growing its diversity and inclusion efforts so that we can better understand the demographics of our membership. And including some of this voluntary information uh, really helps us get a better understanding of the makeup of our membership. So head on over to your member profile, take a look at that information, make sure it's current. And while you're doing that too, if you feel like updating your email preferences with CMAA, we highly recommend that. You can access our subscription preferences from any email sent from CMAA. All you'll need to do is scroll down to the bottom of that email and click on the link and you can select or deselect <laughs> whichever categories of information you're interested in hearing from CMAA on. So we don't wanna bombard you with too many emails most of the, throughout most of the year, conference time aside. Um, so just make sure that you check those out and uh, we really appreciate it and we hope to stay in touch with you over the next year. Absolutely, and spe speaking of seasons, summer is my favorite and I know it's Kyle's as well. And coming up this summer is the 2021 CSFA Annual Conference, and that's live and in person. So save the date, um, August 25th through the 26th. The event will be held at the club at Admirals Cove in beautiful Jupiter, Florida. And this year's conference committee is putting together a fantastic schedule, complete with education set work, sessions, networking opportunities, a partner showcase, keynotes address, and more. You know, after the challenges of last year, we cannot wait to get together, to gather, celebrate, and learn together once again. Registration will open June 1 for CSFA members um, and will uh, open a week later for non-members and CMA members. So check out more information at CSFASSOCIATION.com. At CSF Association. For anyone who's spelling <laughs> challenged, it's, you'll find the link on our website as well. 
<laughs> Absolutely. And the theme is this: uh, our time to shine, and it really is going to be that opportunity. So definitely add it to your calendar. And, and if you um, are not the club spa and fitness professional at your club, but you know them, make sure they know about it too. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we have a couple of um, pretty important deadlines coming up on June 1st for all of our student members. So students, turn your ears on, please. And everyone else, also keep your ears on because if you know a student member, you should probably remind them of these upcoming deadlines. Uh, June 1, we have deadlines for the Joe Purdue Scholarship, which is our only student scholarship offered by the Club Foundation. But this is something that provides funding for our students in hospitality programs across the country. It's a great, great funding opportunity for any student who is looking to supplement some of the, um, you know, any of their other scholarships or grants that they receive throughout the year. Um, you know, we we're here to support the next generation of club management professionals, and this is one way to get started. So please apply for the Joe Purdue Scholarship. You can find all of that application information, the requirements, you know, who who is who qualifies. Um, you can find that all on the Club Foundation's website. So it's clubfoundation.org. It's all right there. Um, additionally, another program from the Club Foundation that has a deadline of June 1 is the Student Chapter Grant Program. This program provides a travel grant to our student chapters uh, to attend World Conference. Uh, additionally, it also provides a complimentary student registration to World Conference for the chapter president. This is definitely not something a student chapter wants to miss out on. It's free money. <laughs> you never want to miss out on free money. Um, so, you know, you can fill out that application. It's up a maximum of up to $500, which is not insignificant. Um, and all student chapters of CMAA are eligible to apply. You can find that information again at clubfoundation.org. And finally, on June 1st, the student chapter president annual report is due. That has gone paperless this year. You can find the information for the report online. Um, it's linked from our most recent Outlook edition. It's also been linked in the monthly student newsletter, which all of our student members, faculty advisors, managing directors, student chapter liaison members, et cetera, receive. So if you, as a student or as a manager, know someone who is looking for that report and doesn't know where to find it, please refer them to the student newsletter that they received on May 6th. And awesome. that is, that's all I've got for deadlines, but there are several for students. So take note of June 1st. There's a lot of stuff coming due. Absolutely. And now we'd like to congratulate the latest class of club management professionals to achieve the Certified Club Manager, the CCM designation. If you're not familiar, established in 1965, the designation is the hallmark of professionalism in club management. It is a valuable, internationally recognized, and widely respected mark of a club manager's commitment to professional development and the club industry. We are so excited to congratulate the 11 newest members of CMAA and the Canadian Society of Club Managers, our friends across the northern border, who were recently successful in meeting all of the CCM requirements. We'd like to congratulate Carmen Amato, CCM, at Coppinwood Golf Club in Goodwood, Ontario, Canada. Eric Baldwin, CCM, at, at the Badminton and Racquet Club of Toronto in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Paula Jean Hunt, CCM, the club at Admirals Cove in Jupiter, Florida. Liz McDowell, CCM, at York Downs Golf and Country Club in Unionville, Ontario, Canada. 
Michael Riley, CCM, at the Park Country Club of Buffalo in Williamsville, New York. Jennifer A. Sinclair, CCM, at the Bears Paw Country Club in Naples, Florida. Samantha Van Veen, CCM, at the Briar Club in Houston, Houston Texas. Oren Vincent, CCM, at Montage International in Irvine, California. Adrian Vivas, CCM, at River Oaks Country Club in Houston, Texas. Onifer Wilmoth, CCM, at the Highlands, Highlands Falls Country Club in Highlands, North Carolina. And Jeff, Jeff Wilson, CCM, in beautiful Doral, Florida. Congratulations to each of you. We cannot, cannot share enough about how excited we are to welcome you uh, to the category of designated CCM member. Absolutely. If you'd like to learn more about these designation and requirements and how you make that happen and get those awesome three little letters after <laughs> your name, uh, please check out cma.org backslash certification to get started. Big congratulations. It's such an achievement to finally you know, achieve that CCM designation, and we're very, very proud of you. So big, big kudos and congrats to our newest certified club managers. All right, so now we're going to take you into our Idea Fair segment for this month. Melissa got to sit down with Holly Bellotti um, of Bayhead Yacht Club. Is that correct, Melissa? Did I get that right? <laughs> it is. You got it right. And I would just want to say, not only do we get to talk to Holly Bellotti, who's the general manager, amazing, and we also got some great contributions from Tyler DeFilippo, the director of communications. So you'll hear him um, as well on this interview. So it's really cool. You know, in this case, she's their club is an award winner in two different Idea Fair categories mm -hmm. this year, uh, both safety programs and risk management and leadership philosophies and development. Uh, so great information and great ideas and great innovation. So great. Well, here is Holly. We are so excited to be here today with Holly Bellotti, who's the general manager at Bayhead Yacht Club up in Bayhead, New Jersey. Holly, thank you so much for being with us. And we're very excited to talk about your two award-winning idea fair entries. Thank you, Melissa. I, I was, um, you know, happy to uh, get the invitation and uh, I love being a part of uh, CMAA and I always look forward, not just me, but my team on all the different ideas that are shared from across the country and uh, guilty, uh, we steal a few here and there. So. <laughs> Absolutely, the, the the joy of the idea fair and, and really that concept to kind of steal those club tested ideas. So, Holly, how are you doing today? How how are things going for you? Um, things are going real well. Um, our club is uh, located in central New Jersey, and um, you know, spring is uh, hasn't quite sprung <laughs> to the degree that we would like. We get we're just getting these little teasers. Um, but today's not too bad, it's kind of mild out, so. Awesome. Well, tell us about your club. What makes it a special place to work? Um, I'd have to say not only do we have a beautiful, beautifully restored clubhouse, um, and we've got a great spot on the Barnegat Bay uh, facing south, um, I'd have to say it, it's the people. Uh, we've got a great membership, um, and we've got an, a tremendous team. Um, you know, our uh, average tenure age is about 13 years, and um, nobody wants to leave. <laughs> um, 
And we've kind of got a saying here that uh, we're not just a family club, we're a club family. And uh, that works on both sides, not just for the membership, but uh, certainly for the staff. And we saw that um, we saw that uh, ring true last year um, during the pandemic and uh, still now as we're um, not quite moving as quickly as we'd like to, um, to a post-COVID time, but uh, folks were amazing, really. Um, the membership, so understanding, um, and our staff quickly just was, you know, adapted. We all did what we needed to do quickly. So let's talk, let's dive into these, uh, to your entries. So we're going to start talking safety programs and risk management, but I know this is all going to kind of um, probably have some great correlations between your two ideas. So can you paint a picture for our listeners about the idea? Talk to us about this COVID ribbon. Sure, sure. So um, last year, um, you know, as everybody was doing, um, looking to their, um, state leaders and local leaders as um, how they could safely open up. And there was a lot of information that, um, you know, I used to joke, uh, I'm actually sitting, Melissa, as I told you with uh, Tyler DeFlippo, our communications coordinator, um, and he'll probably chuckle. I told him we needed to build a sign shop to keep up with all the um, protocols because we were printing signs and posting them and you know, sometimes at the end of the day, they were outdated information. Um, so we said, you know, what can we do that's more efficient? And it could be like a, you know, update in real time. And it could be a repository for all of the club's protocols. Um, we're not as large being a yacht club as some of our um club neighbors that are on golf courses and whatnot, but we have tennis courts, we have an active boating area, sailing. So how could we open up safely to the member to the membership and um, have them understand what they would be um, need to be adhering to as they entered the club property. Um, so Tyler worked with our friends at Paysetter and we brainstormed a number of ideas and we came up with this idea of having a ribbon at the bottom of the app so when a member opens their app you know it's a red ribbon and they could go there for all the latest uh, details of how they can enter the club and try to have a normal experience in this crisis period so tell us how did the members uh, react to that what was their feedback um you know, some questions um, overall, I mean, very receptive, um, a lot of questions. Um, it also was an opportunity for us to get some of the folks who don't use the app to download the app. So we said, you want to be in the know, here's what you have to do. Um, so that was uh, kind of worked to, you know, as an advantage for us. Sure, kind of roping them into to using that exactly. technology, and yep. how did and what was the staff feedback on that idea? Um, the staff feedback really just our um, our department heads uh, use the app. We don't have our line staff using the app, um, but they felt you know for them they had all the rules. You know they had all the the details in front of them um, because sometimes that's one of the the common challenges is a communication platform to bring everybody together on the club campus so that they understand what we're asking the members 
to be responsible for. Um, so they had all the information at their fingertips as well. So what would you say is the most challenging part of the execution of getting this together um, and keeping it current? Um, you know, the, the time. Um, we're still challenged to have enough time. I, we feel like we're still trying to catch up. Um, and last year, you know, no one, you know, we all talk about and we've seen different um, opportunities to be trained for crisis management. But let's be honest, it's not something that we were training on an everyday basis. So, you know, for someone, you know, I refer back to Tyler, who is a young leader, you know, all of a sudden one of his main responsibilities was being the voice for the club and having that responsibility to um, update the membership and our employee teams on what our crisis protocols and, you know, we're going to be at, at an, you know, at uh, any given time. So um, it, it's been a quite a burden, <laughs> but uh, I'd like to say uh, our team has really done extremely well, um, you know, going through this period. Were there any unexpected outcomes or silver linings to this, this project? Um, I'd say, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, having the membership more engaged in technology for one um, and then training the members we needed to know who was on property at all times so now they were definitely um, being responsive and making reservations and making court times telling us when they were coming to use the dock facilities so we were able to send support staff to those areas so that we definitely knew that uh, Mr. or Mrs. Jones were arriving in this certain area at that time. Um, so it definitely was, um, that was a great opportunity, uh, especially during the day, because that's always been more of a loosey-goosey time period where people mm -hmm. just frequent the club. And now we knew who was coming, we could staff accordingly, and there weren't really too many surprises. So that was, that was really a huge takeaway for us. Awesome. So, you know, let's shift into your second idea in the leadership philosophies and development category. You know, this one also hit into COVID, so they dovetail together so nicely. Um, yeah. You know, let's talk about the COVID task force. What is that and how did it come together? Sure. Um, well, when the pandemic hit in March, um, you know, certainly we didn't know we thought it was two weeks. <laughs> you know, I think we all did. <laughs> it was, uh, what was it uh, to uh, stop, the, slow the spread, two weeks. Um, so it was, it, it quickly, you know, as we entered into May, we knew this was going to be some time. So we realized that, you know, this was bigger than our employee team to be making decisions on behalf of the membership. Um, and in conjunction with our club officers, how could we create um, a like ad hoc committee to help us navigate this crisis and make decisions? So what we did, we looked at the demographics of our membership and decided, you know, what would really help us here? You know, in an insurance professional, a medical professional, someone who has some uh, legislative experience. So we really tried to um, take, you know, get a snapshot of different 
um, professional backgrounds. And it was led by our vice president, which in a yacht club world is the vice commodore. And he was uh, chaired the committee and still does. And early on last year, we met on a weekly basis to go over what we needed to do as a club and how to protect our staff, how to protect our members, how we open up the tennis courts. So there was a lot of interesting conversation. Um, at times we made more conservative decisions than what even Governor Murphy was saying at the time, um, because we felt we just wanted to not open that lever to the full extent yet. Um, and then, you know, also what it did was it took the burden off of our employee team saying, you, the member can't do this. It, it's the task force that made this decision. So, you know, that made our employees, you know, not get any type of, you know, took some of the confrontation away from uh, the member to the employee. Um, so it was very helpful. Sure. And I would assume then that the member and staff feedback from that was was very positive in terms of how they reacted to um, the information that was coming out of your task force. Absolutely. Um, that was probably one of the biggest compliments that we got from our members and our employees at how transparent we were being. So um, as we had updates from the task force, our Club Commodore would write to the membership and let them know exactly some of the things that we're thinking and the why behind it. So the membership, you know, constantly emailing or just when they're coming in, just what is, you know, I guess safe haven um, they were feeling that the club had created for them, um, thinking about all these um, potential risks. So what was the most challenging part of executing this idea and making it successful? Um, I'd say, again, that time commitment. It, it was a time commitment on a weekly basis. And then the follow-up of the communications, um, because it was a, a lot of change happening quickly, being mindful on the communication part to the members and our employees. This is like a good opportunity, I think to like tie back in the policies that were made by the task force yeah. that kind of segued us into this COVID ribbon. True. And we needed to like quickly and efficiently communicate all this new information to a membership that's not coming through the doors. Yeah. So how do you reach them? And that's kind of where this COVID ribbon was Yeah, inspired. true, true. Okay. All right. Sorry, Melissa. No, I was going to say, well, I was going to say those two ideas dovetail. I was going to say you're, the two ideas, it's a, such a perfect exactly. setup. They really do dovetail very nicely yeah. into each other and kind of um, the okay. interplay of that. All right. Thanks, Tyler. Thanks. We appreciate it. <laughs> so, you know, what, you know, we're, we're kind of continuing now, you know, we're, we're at what we, we all hope, right, is that is the tail end or, or maybe just past the midpoint and coming out of COVID. But, you know, how have your efforts evolved today? How does how are you continuing to communicate with your members um, on this topic? And is your task force still meeting? And and or are they evolving into something else? Right. Um, we are still meeting. Um, right now, we've uh, through the winter time, we've spread out our meetings. You know, at sometimes every three weeks or every two weeks. But we are. Um, you know, a big decision for New Jersey was uh, as of uh, May 10th, 
uh, dancing is now allowed for weddings. So that was a big one. Uh, and we're all uh, waiting for that. Um, but there are still some uncertainties. Um, we're waiting for more decisions to come for uh, youth programming for the summer. What is that going to look like? Um, so I think it's going to continue to um, evolve a little bit. Um, and, you know, certainly the vaccine trials are still in testing for the pediatric group. Um, so more to come on that. Um, but we have been doing testing still for our employee teams, COVID testing, and we're encouraging them to help them you know, or facilitate getting vaccinated as well. Um, and trying to, um, you know, bridge that uh, comfort level of make, you know, of feeling safe coming to work. With the evolution of this, and you, you talked about crisis management and how this has really been, you know, the learning, the learning opportunity for crisis management. Um, do you envision this kind of task force and, and, you know, obviously coming out of COVID, you know, potentially to be some sort of other crisis management um, task force or something you can activate in the future? Speaking with Tyler, he just reminded me, um, we were victims of Superstorm Sandy, yeah. um, which forced a, a, a um, complete renovation of our clubhouse and some of our other facilities. And there was a committee during that time that helped make decisions because if you're trying to wait on a monthly basis to have decisions happen at a board level, it's just not efficient. So you need to have a small group working um, kind of behind the scenes, making decisions and evaluating policies rather quickly to move forward. Um, we certainly saw this continue to ring true during COVID and potentially as we assess other areas into the future, um, you know, I think safety is gonna be at the forefront for some time now. Um, so I don't see that going away um, and something that will all become much more versed and proficient um, with our communications. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I can't thank you enough for, for you and also to Tyler uh, for <laughs> joining us and, and sharing, um, you know, bringing these ideas to life. I think it's so um, it's interesting how, you know, I, I feel like we, we focus so much on what's going on, but all these takeaways of stuff that, you know, we can do in the future and our industry has to be prepared for in terms of risk management in the future, I think is, is great. So thank you so much. Can't appreciate, can't thank you enough. Thank you, Melissa. Appreciate the time and sharing what we've done here at Bayhead. All right. Well, that wraps us up for this first episode of May. Thank you for listening, everyone. Um, we are looking forward to our next episode. Melissa, can you give us a little teaser of what to expect? Sure, absolutely. So continuing our discussions on research, we are actually going to uh, talk with Young Hoon Hunter Kim, PhD, a prof the Professor of Director of Global Research and Innovation at the University of North Texas. Uh, he just recently completed a research project on the next phase of membership and management for clubs. And uh, we're going to dive really into that research and find some great top takeaways for our members. Um, as well, we're going to talk about National Golf Day. And as we record today, National Golf Day is officially tomorrow, which is Wednesday, May 12th. So we'll talk a little bit more about the day, uh, what the, the purpose of the event is, and the takeaways. Absolutely. Melissa is our in-house um, advocacy expert. 
and we are going to chat with her and hopefully a guest on on what CMAA's involvement in National Golf Day is and, you know, just how advocacy works for us in this space and what types of issues we advocate on as they relate to the game of golf and um, hospitality. So please tune in to our next episode. Until then, I'm Kyle Jennings. That's Melissa Lowe. Thank you for joining us and we will talk to you next time. Take care. Bye.